Love has become the greatest stumbling block to many Christians when it comes to the LGBT community. Loving your neighbor doesn't mean affirming LGBT. And that's what we're here to talk about on today's episode of Fearless. Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Today, we're continuing with the Elephant in the Room series. And as I was writing my notes, preparing for today, I just sometimes ask myself, why did I choose to do a series on these tough topics? Because they are tough, but I, the Lord has laid them on my heart to talk about. And today is just no different. It's a tough subject. And we all know and love someone that's a part of the LGBT community whether it's a family member, whether it's a close friend, a coworker, we've all been affected by this community somehow. And I can remember as a kid in the early 90s, these vivid memories. I remember one time we were in Minneapolis for years and years. That's where my grandfather's office was, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And I was up there to hear him speak. And at the time in the 90s, Minneapolis was a hub for the homosexual community. And we happened to be there during like a pride parade. And I remember walking out my hotel room. This is the only memory I have of this whole trip, which shows you the power of just images, the power of like sin can have at a young age. I can just remember walking out with two men dressed up as firemen with like real short shorts and they were kissing on the back of a fire truck. And I just never seen anything. I came from a small mountain town in Boone, North Carolina. And, you know, my mom just, they didn't like shield me from it. And they use that as talking points, but you look how much has changed since the nineties. I can remember the first time seeing it, like on the news, there was like a, a gay parade and they were highlighting something on the news. I can just remember those images, but the sexual sin of the LGBT community has become just broadly accepted today. It started with the push for acceptance of homosexuality. And you look at it, it's Satan's perfect scheme for going after God's perfect creation, the creation God made in his own image. And now we live in a time where a Supreme Court justice can't even seem to define what a woman is. Our culture takes offense if you say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, which I make sure my kids are always saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I'm from the South, and now I do it just to prove a point. Kids are being told that it's normal and are encouraged to experiment with attraction and gender and that it's not normal and it's unhealthy if you don't experiment. And that path, which started, you know, during this free love movement in the country over 60 years ago, where God's design for sex and marriage kind of in this nation first began to be devalued. We look in the history of our nation and it's now led to a way where we're seeing now children being mutilated all while the church has sat silent. It's like, this is an issue the church has surrendered and that they're not going to address. But the issue's here, and this is now, and we can't avoid it any longer. And it has come a time for people of faith to really speak up and advocate because it's more for our children at this point. And we see this happening to our children. I recently came across this article about this girl named Chloe Cole. Chloe, I believe it was in California, was 15 years old when she wanted to become a boy. 
And her parents were encouraged by the teachers at school and the education system to allow her to do it. And she had her breasts removed at the age of 15. And now, just three or four years later, she's advocating. She is angry. She's angry at the school system. She's angry with her parents that allowed that to happen. And she's fighting back and she has a voice. But that image has been stuck in my head of the story of her because at 15 years old, I think of the decisions I made. Think of the things, even from the styles to, you know, the makeup we were wearing at 15, if we had to be stuck with that. And that's a time where we're asking a lot of questions. We're trying to figure out who we are. My mom was the biggest tomboy ever. And she often says she's thankful that she didn't grow up in a time like this because her parents would have told her that she was meant to be a boy. She was the biggest tomboy. She hated being a girl, hated wearing dresses. She beat the boys in all the sports. Then, you know, at age 16 or 17 and after going through puberty and she, you know, is dating boys, life's changed and she's wearing, you know, back in the 60s, all these mini skirts. She just talks about we're not even allowed to be a tomboy anymore. But I continue to think of that story of Chloe Cole and a system that we have now in this nation that has promoted such drastic measures. Early on, when I started working at Samaritan's Purse just years ago, there was a a subject that was so like my heart was just drawn to, and that was called FGM, and that's female genital mutilation. And that's quite different in other parts of the country where females are being mutilated for different reasons. So they don't have pleasure and that they might not cheat on their husbands and just for different religious beliefs. But never would I have fathomed here in this nation, when I started working on that 10 years ago, that we would see that happening to girls and to boys and being encouraged to chop off their body parts. And if you've followed along, maybe you're new here to Fearless. This is been a subject that's been close to my heart for a long time, the LGBT community. Like I said, we've all been affected. My best childhood friend that I grew up with, who we were inseparable, our grandmothers grew up together, our moms were best friends. Our birthdays were like a day apart. We were inseparable. And she is now a part of that community. She's been a part of it for a long time. And for a long time, this just devastated me. And I watched how my friends over the years have navigated this issue. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I started Fearless because I saw Christians not know how to navigate when it came to this issue in this community. For an example, we'll all get invited at some point to a gay wedding. Do we go? Do we not go? We want to love them, which we're going to get into in a little bit because we want to keep those doors open. But the whole reason I started Fearless was to teach people we have a holy God who has holy standards And a marriage is a holy commitment before God. And in no way can we go and celebrate sin before a holy God, because a marriage is a celebration. So that's kind of where we just started Fearless, was just how can we have these practical ways to navigate? But here's the problem. The LGBT movement is just having this cultural movement in history, and it is a dominating force. The new sexuality and gender theory is celebrated and it's mandated by our government. It's mandated in our schools. Now our sports we see happening in girls sports, corporate movements. And everywhere we look, it's just dominating culture. And if you dare make a public comment that you affirm, you know, a Bible-believing Christian marriage and what the Bible defines as a Christian marriage, or just say people, you know, we're free to agree or disagree Even if you just say that comment, 
You could be faced with fines. You could be fired from your job. And of course, we face the mob of cancel culture. And people fear the cancel culture. The cancel culture is brutal. Nobody wants to be named a bigot and hateful names. So we've sat silent, but we see just these continuing events happening. Recently, there was a UK chaplain who was fired from a Church of England school after telling young students that they are not required to embrace claims of the LGBTQ activists and are free to believe what they wish. The school's safeguarding officer reported the chaplain as a terrorist. And what was his offense? Teaching Christian understandings of sexuality, gender, and marriage. But he was labeled a terrorist and he was fired. There was another medical physician and he was a member of parliament in Finland who was dragged into court and facing criminal charges, including the possibility of a two-year jail sentence for simply quoting Romans 1 publicly. So we see this happening more and more. In some of the cases where we're aware of what's happening in this nation, just yesterday, I saw a video from TikTok. It was a young gay boy just talking about how oppressed he was and the oppression that the LGBT community face. In this community, they have all the freedoms to do as others have in their careers, in the education system, and they often have more of a favored status. It's like they can get away with anything in their messaging It dominates culture, everything from our entertainment to our education systems. And it's almost like this is the only issue that matters. You know, when it comes to our education system, forget about math, science, and reading that we're all failing behind. Um, I remember last year, maybe it was two years ago, I went to my first school board meeting in my county in Florida, and it was over the issue that the LGBT community wanted a whole month of education to be celebrated to them in our public schools, a whole month. Not just a day, not as an elective class for high schoolers. This is a whole month from kindergarten to 12th grade. And of course, it dominates the entertainment industry. Every TV show you've turned on for years now have a gay couple, now transgender couples. But the entertainment industry, especially now starting in cartoons for young kids. But this community, their activism is like no other. And it is so aggressive especially when it comes to our children. And we see that happening all the time of how they're recruiting young people, how they are aggressively going after the younger generation and their minds. We see the gender unicorn in kindergarten. We see these, you know, drag queen readings for young children. And now just what we've seen in the recent months of these drag queen shows with children. And even here in Charlotte, North Carolina, I just saw a video of a drag queen climbing a pole with a young kid. And it is vulgar, it's disgusting, and it's just pure wickedness of what we're witnessing. And we have sat silent. And this is a time of utter confusion for this younger generation. And we, as parents, as the church, are to provide clarity in this time of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14.33 is a reminder that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. You think of this generation on a whole nother subject of what they're facing mentally, and there's like no peace in their hearts and their lives. It's because of all this confusion that we are facing and that we are adding to them. But God is not a God of confusion. He created each individual perfectly in his image. 
once again, this is a community that says that they are oppressed, but they can do whatever they want in life, whatever they feel compelled to do. But the reality is they're oppressing those with Christian values and Christian beliefs who don't agree with them because they feel like they have to tear down the beliefs and teachings of the church, Christian colleges and Christian ministries. Anybody that doesn't agree with them, they go after relentlessly. The city of Philadelphia, they had 28 foster care agencies that work with same-sex couples, but they have to force two religious adoption and foster care agencies that have different convictions about marriage and the definition of marriage and parenting and family. And so this community has 28 to choose from, but they want to go after the two that define marriage by a man and a woman. And so here they are attacking Christian ministries and they're oppressing those that they don't believe in. And of course, I've talked about Jack Phillips here on Fearless. Jack Phillips is a baker that many of us have followed the story of him from Colorado. And he's an older man. He's a grandfather. He owned this bakery for years. He served anyone, didn't deny anybody, but there were certain cakes over the years he didn't make. He didn't make cakes about Halloween. He didn't believe in Halloween. He um, didn't make cakes with alcohol symbols on it because he didn't drink. And there was just one day a couple walked into his bakery that changed his life forever. And they wanted him to make a cake for their wedding and same-sex marriage and be a part of their wedding. And he just kindly, if you ever met this man, he is the most gentle spirit soul. And he just kindly declined and said, I can't do the wedding. And he often talks about when you have the opportunity to hear him speak. By the way, years and years later, he won his Supreme Court case, but he continues to be in court because they come after him and continue to come into his bakery and attack him and sue him on different issues. But he said the phone call started within minutes, calling his bakery, making the threats, attacking him, attacking his family, just being very brutal to him. And it started within minutes and the emails, he said, you could look at my emails and it was like every 10 minutes. So they're so well organized, like grassroots and activism in this community. And of course, Baronelle Stutzman was a grandmother florist out West and spent years at the end of her life after she had done flowers her entire career, fighting these court cases of the same thing. So it's happening, you know, here in this nation, but also worldwide, we're seeing it. And When I look at these cases here in the U.S., it's more and more common. Now you got PE teachers being fired because they refuse to call a kid a different pronoun. And how crazy it sounds. We never could have imagined that 20 years ago. And here we are. So in my mind, I'm like, what can we not imagine that's going to happen 20 years from now? What kind of wickedness will we be facing? But when I look at these cases here in America, I have not seen the church talk about these. There's a few pastors that might. But overall, when I talk about these issues or these current cases, my friends, they've never even heard of it. They don't know what's happening. And the thing is, cancel culture is going to find you no matter where you are, no matter what little corner of the world you're in, cancel culture will find you. And the church cannot be silent. We have surrendered this issue. It's like an issue that we've given up, but the stakes are too high. The attack on God's word is so important, but also is the attack on the innocence of our children. And that's the danger that we're facing. That's been the slippery slope. You know, it started with the acceptance of homosexuality in the 90s here in this nation. And sin doesn't stop there. And that's any sin in our life. 
it's not just with this subject, sin continues to grow and grow. So it started with the acceptance and loving of the homosexuality community to now our children are being mutilated. They have to choose their different pronouns. They can change their gender. And I look at my generation, younger generation, and maybe even like the progressive church. We think we've invented like new levels of wokeness that we've been enlightened. And I'm sure that's every generation, but we think this is all new, that we're progressive, we're loving, we're, we're making new ways. And these aren't new. These issues are addressed in scripture. I think most people can agree that when we look at the book of Romans, it's talking about God's redemptive love through the salvation of Jesus Christ. But the problem is now in the church, and I've addressed this in this series, is that the church can't even agree on some of these major issues now, even though if the Bible was very clear. And the Christians of the early church experienced many of the same challenges and these sins and these tendencies that we are facing now. And Paul wrote the book of Romans to the early Christian church. And while he was most likely living in the city of Corinth, which most people believe, there was also a deep association there in that city with temple worship of the goddess Aphrodite. And as a part of the worship, that temple employed over a thousand prostitutes. And you think of like what that city was like in that time and how wicked it would have been. And it was a culture that was completely saturated with just like shocking sexuality and shocking sin, kind of probably what we're facing now. And Paul is writing to a broader community of Romans, kind of from this city, which would have been maybe like a Las Vegas. But for example, back then, Greek soldiers would often take young boys to the battlefield with them. And these young boys would be their sexual partners. And from those Greek practices, Roman officials and men, wealthy men, would take teenage boys as their sexual partners. It was just pure wickedness. And that was the culture that Paul was writing to. Because now we see like in the progressive church, they're trying to redefine what homosexuality is. They're redefining the words in scripture. And they have all these arguments that they break down. But Paul doesn't shy away from the tough conversations. And right off the bat in chapter one in Romans, right in the middle of talking about the mercy and compassion of God, Paul reminds his readers of this. And it is powerful. I don't normally read long passages here on Fearless like this, but it's just a powerful reminder. that Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged their natural function with which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the women and burned in the desires towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And this is a tough verse. And it says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, which that seems very close to what's happening in our nation right now, that just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do these things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy. 
And when I read that, I'm just reminded is that God gave them over to their depraved minds. And for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And once you've committed one sin, you're guilty of all of them. And we know that in scripture, but I do believe personally, there are sins that are harder to get out of. There are some darker ones. And I think when we look at the LGBT community, it is a deep, dark bondage of sin and chains. But there are some amazing stories, and we're going to get to some of those in a minute, of people that have experienced the redemptive love of Jesus through this. But I do think it's a more difficult sin to get out of. But in chapter 12, in the same letter in Romans, Paul has this to say about the culture surrounding believers. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that's just been the constant theme in this Elephant in the Room series. We are not to be conformed to this world, that we are to be transformed when we know God, when we know his word and it's hidden in our hearts, that we don't follow the ways of the world, that we are to be set apart. And if this is so important in the early church and that Paul in chapter one of Romans addressed this, then why are churches sitting silently? And once again, I think the people that this has hurt the most is the younger generation and our children, even more from three years ago when we first addressed this to now, it's our children because we know through different studies and just in our own experiences, if you hear something that's repeated over and over, if you see something over and over, you begin to believe it. And for our children that are facing our TV, our songs, our entertainment, now our school systems and our churches, our children will believe that. And we do see that in this younger generation that they believe love is love and you can choose whoever. So why are churches not talking about this issue? Why have they surrendered on this issue? And once again, I think it goes back to my very first point is that this sin has become personal to all of us. We all know and love somebody that's a part of this community in our families, and our friends. And so we kind of try to reason with a holy God with our own heart, like his infinite wisdom with our finite wisdom. And we're trying to reason with him, like how could a God of love not let us to choose love where his perfect ways are to protect us? I mean, I'm having these simple conversations with my children now who are only, you know, nine and six. Why does mom give you rules? It's because I love you. It's to protect you. It's to keep you safe from, you know, you can't play in the street because that's dangerous. I know better than they do. And God knows better than us. And he's got a perfect way. And it's a way of not of harm, but that we can flourish and that we can love him and serve him. This has become personal. And it's hard because we're facing situations when it comes to family. I think why the church doesn't talk about it is become personal Once again, as I've stated in this series, I think love has become the greatest stumbling block in the church. And the second greatest commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves has been used as the excuse to not share the gospel. And we are to love our neighbors and we can do that with full of grace and full of truth. But we see the slogan all the time, love wins. And it's true the greatest love story of all, Jesus Christ opened up his arms wide on that cross before the world. That love will win, does win. It's redemptive, it's powerful. Another reason is just pure fear. Pastors fear cancel culture. Let's be honest, churches are a business. They become a business. 
They got a building they got to pay for or pay for rent. They got to keep the lights on. They now have a pastoral staff and their families and their livelihoods that are all on the pastor's shoulders. And you offend a few people, you offend some big donors, that has a big impact on a church. So I think a lot of pastors operate in fear. They don't want to offend. And it comes back with this series. We don't want to offend. Well, guess what? The gospel is offensive. The cross is offensive because it makes us come face to face um, the reality of our sins. And that's personal for all of us, not just with the subject we're talking about today, but in all these subjects we're discussing that we're fearful of offending people so much that we won't speak the truth that will save them, that they'll experience the most redemptive love. Um, another reason is pastors think they're more merciful than God. And Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, who I've heard before speak, she was a former Marxist. She was a feminist. She was a professor at Syracuse, I believe. She was a lesbian. And she has received the redemptive love of Christ and became a Christ follower. And she wrote in her book, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Dr. Butterfield's description of why some church leaders avoid, downplay, or soft-pedal God's design for sexuality is that they think they're more merciful than God. And she says, no one is more merciful than God. God and his redemptive love provides a way and shows us how to flourish spiritually in wholeness and in peace. He has given us his merciful instruction on how we can live and avoid unnecessary self-inflicted heartache and pain, emptiness and a lack of purpose. And that no one is more merciful than him. We sometimes think we can play that role and we can't, and we can't offer that. This kind of goes with pastors are fearful. They lack the courage. Once again, it's just kind of a repetitive theme we're seeing through all this. They just lack the courage. I remember one time just a few years ago, a pastor who's now lost his large church. He's no longer there for other sins in his life. And he was being interviewed by Anderson Cooper. And Cooper on the CNN interview asked him face-to-face about homosexuality. And the pastor responded, I don't teach on it because Jesus didn't teach on it. So he avoided that moment, that one moment, to share the gospel with somebody who really needed to hear it. And in Matthew 19, Jesus does define marriage about a man leaving his father and mother and marrying his wife. But that moment, I was more heartbroken that people now were kind of under that teaching, well, we should just avoid it. And that he gave up an amazing opportunity, a powerful opportunity to share the gospel with somebody who desperately needed it. Another reason churches aren't talking about is that, which continuing theme, pastors have leaned into more of these self-help trends, um, rather focusing on helping their congregation of teaching the scriptures. Because once people know the scriptures, they can decipher these issues on themselves because the Holy Spirit will teach them along the way. Um, Virgil Walker, who is part of the Just Thinking podcast, he's been a guest here on Fearless before, who I adore. He just recently addressed the same subject. American pulpits are filled with motivational speakers, modern day super apostles, as Paul coined the term. They have embraced relevance over revelation of scripture. And they have held on to the self-importance rather than selfless sacrifice. And they have absolutely abandoned the sufficiency of Scripture. And that's kind of where we see a lot of pastors moving toward instead of being kind of Bible teachers 
and facilitators. Another one is, of course, we've discussed it here, is progressive Christianity and kind of their teachings. People like the progressive Christianity teaching because basically you can have your cake and eat it too. You can still worship Jesus and still live in your sinful life. And um, people have fallen under that. Another big thing I see over and over, one of the biggest concerns I see is Christian influencers. And when I say that is people we follow on Instagram. They might be a Christian artist or a Christian painter. And we get involved in their lives. We know their life story. We know their struggles. We know their children's names. We think that they're our friends here on Instagram. And we have to remind ourselves, we don't know these people. They're not our friends. But we start looking at them. They might post a scripture here and there or something powerful, something that they're really struggling with, and we can relate to them. Well, then all of a sudden, I'll see them at a gay pride parade. You're like, hmm, okay, well, now, if that person says it's okay and they're doing it with love and taking their children to these parades, then maybe it's okay. Because you think you know them, you think they're your friend and you can relate to them, then they have the ability to speak truth into your life. So I want to be careful of these Christian influencers we're following online um, and be careful of who you follow. And lastly, the church just in general has neglected to talk about any sexual sin, much less the sin of the LGBT community. So that's another issue we might discuss on another beer list, but we have failed as a church, even as Christian parents to really talk about just sexual sin in general. So with all of that and all of those hard topics of what we're facing in this culture, why churches are not talking about it. What can we do when we find ourselves in these situations? What can you personally do at home? First off is that we have to stay strong on biblical understanding on sex and gender. We just have to know God's word and his scripture and on these issues and follow up with some great apologists who go after these subjects really hard so that they can help prepare you and God's word for these conversations. Another one, I know this is crazy times for pastors. Pastors are having to face situations that they were not trained or equipped to address. I've heard some wild stories. One time I heard the story of a transgender came into church. They just wanted to be quiet, be a part of the church, just be under the teachings. And so the pastor, his pastoral staff came together and just, you know, said that this will be okay. This is our time to speak truth into them. But what happens is, They don't just want to sit there. Remember, we talked about how aggressive this community is. So eventually this person started wanting a little more and a little more and wanted the pastor to teach this and to teach that. So it got way more aggressive and out of control. And I'm not here to tell a pastor what they should do. Only the Holy Spirit can lead a pastor and his staff. Bottom line, though, is you can never allow sin in your camp. Scripture is so clear, like especially in the Old Testament, about the purity of God's people, not allowing sin inside the camp of Israel, because what happens is that sin spreads. And I remember one time a church in my community, they had a gay guy just a part of the ushers and a part of the welcoming committee and thinking that was a good way for him to be involved and that they could once again, just love on him. And it doesn't stop there. You wouldn't allow a pastor to serve who's having an open affair on his wife You wouldn't allow somebody that's openly using drugs and struggling with that serving without them taking time, getting counseling and getting help. But for some reason, this one's okay to allow a gay guy to be a part. And you can't just allow sin in your camp because once again, it comes back to your children. 
they're aggressive in their recruitment when it comes to our children. Something I've stated here many, many times here on Fearless is you share truth with grace and compassion. If we truly love people, we tell them the truth. Remember, Jesus was 100% truth. He was 100% grace. According to John 1, 14, he wasn't 90% grace and only 10% truth. And then I kind of look at the older generation. He wasn't all truth and no grace. He was both. And God gives us the ability to stand in both. And he gives us those ways to do it. And just remember that God's design matters. God created science. I love that the the party of science, the far left, all of a sudden seems to abandon science. Even when it comes to this subject, those kind of early people who advocated for homosexual rights, who said they were born this way, it's a science. Well, now that's been thrown out the window. And um, now it's fluid. You can kind of pick and choose your sexuality, pick and choose your gender. But God is the creator of science. It does matter. His creation matters. He created us in his image and it matters. So remember that. But also, I want to talk to parents for a second because I know parents are finding themselves in difficult situations. I know some friends that their granddaughter is a part of this community now. Their family has really kind of given them an ultimatum. Either love and accept or we're not coming home for holidays or Christmas. You can't be a part of our lives. One set of grandparents who were Christians just said, okay, we love you. We accept you because they just wanted to be with their family. And Satan uses that. That is powerful. He uses that to entice us. But then we compromise the gospel. We compromise God's standards. And we can in no way do that. And so my friends, it's been painful. They've lost that relationship with their family. They are the most loving people. I adore this. Everybody wants this couple in their lives because people adore them. They're great godly mentors. They've never been hateful to their family, but they're not going to sacrifice and drop God's standards. And the Bible says in the end times, families will be divided. You know, fathers versus sons, families are divided. And you're going to find yourself in some painful situations when it comes to this topic. But I promise you, you choose to serve a holy God and not to lower his standards. God will honor you. There might be some painful moments in it, but in the long run, God will honor you for it. And another thing for parents, I just want to encourage you is we have to be so diligent when it comes to our children and their spiritual development and having these conversations over and over. Remember, it's about the the repetition of it. If a child hears it enough, they're going to start to believe it because they're being told in our schools. They're being now even told in some church circles and amongst their friends and their families and whoever they're going to play sports with that it's okay, that there's something wrong with their family if they don't believe in it. And if they believe in the Bible's definition of a marriage. So just have these conversations with your kids. We have to be so diligent and have them over and over. God will give you the wisdom. I was praying the other day when I was taking my kids to school, Lord, give me the wisdom to answer some of these tough questions. Holy Spirit, speak. Because I didn't know how to answer some of them. But God will give it to you. And it's amazing how he shows up and the words just come out of your mouth. Sometimes you say the wrong thing and you might have to reverse it and fix it. But I just want to encourage parents to be diligent. And once again, as we're getting ready to close this episode, this is a tough subject we have faced. It's a subject that's close to my heart. And I know it's close to so many people who are listening. And you've wondered, you know, how can it get better? How can we fix this in our nation? And I want to encourage those advocate, get a part of your communities. 
you know, a lot of people might avoid this because it's politics. It's not politics. These are moral issues. They're having an effect on our families and on our children and on our neighbors. We are to love our neighbors. This is affecting our neighbors' children. Advocate in our communities because it matters who governs us, who's making these decisions in our school systems and with our sports. Get involved. Encourage your pastor to get involved more in a way of educating. If a pastor says something you don't agree with, go to him in a loving way. But this is a time that we are to stand for truth and we have to be deep into God's word so that we can stand. Because when we take a stand and we stand at the foot of the cross, we're making a decision that we stand for Jesus and the world does not like that. And it will be difficult. It's not easy. You're gonna lose relationships. They might threaten your job. Choose to honor God. Choose to keep your eyes focused on the cross as we talked in that first episode of this season. That's a lifelong obedience to him. So you keep your eyes focused on the cross to give you a fearless faith in this compromising culture. Thank you for joining me here on Fearless. As always, I encourage you to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, if you've missed any old episodes and would like to get caught up, you can check them out on sissygramlynch.com. I wasn't given the spirit of fear. I was